worship together and to encourage one another in the Lord. It is good to see you this morning. have several announcements, uh, many of which are not in your bulletin, so you may want to uh, take out a pen and jot a few things down on the bulletin as I go through. Uh, we will hit the ones that are on the, in the bulletin first, and then, uh, Caleb, I'm going to have to have you help me out a little bit as we work through some of the ones that we're not, are not, we're not able to make it in the bulletin this week. Um, first of all, uh, our next family ministry meeting is tonight. Uh, I believe that starts at 6 o'clock, so uh, plan on being here for that. Uh, families that are involved in our family ministry, we look forward to a great time together uh, in fellowship and worship and in the Word of God. Also, our next work day at the Donegal Food Bank is on Wednesday, May 5th from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. If you have questions about that ministry, please speak with Gene Schwarn. He'd be happy to answer those for you. And just a reminder also, we do take donations for that ministry. There is a collection box downstairs in the fellowship hall, and uh, we're taking non-perishable items, and we uh, run those out whenever that box is full. So if you uh, remember that when you're out shopping this week, uh, grab something for those who are in need. As you know, there are many people that are suffering during this time uh, with the pandemic and uh, where, the way things have been with the economy. Also, uh, great news. There are a lot of indications that uh, life is returning a little bit more to normal in terms of different activities, both in the community and in the church. Uh, one of those activities is the world's largest yard sale, also known as Marietta Day. Uh, that'll take place on Saturday, May 8th, and uh, the reason we announced that here is because uh, as the church, we try to get involved by uh, selling hot dogs and food and things like that to uh, try to have opportunities to meet our neighbors and engage those who are going by, uh, look for evangelistic opportunities as well. So uh, I would encourage you to uh, mark that on your calendar and uh, be ready for a great morning together. Uh, we're waiting to hear more about what restrictions there may be uh, about food and other things, but uh, Whatever we can do, we're going to do, and if they are restrictions on food, then we're probably going to find other ways to try to minister to the community, but we will do something that day. Uh, and again, that's Saturday, May 8th. Also, just a reminder that every Sunday at 9.15, you have the opportunity to join with other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ downstairs in the fellowship hall for our prayer time. Uh, again, that is well attended, and there's always room for more, so... Uh, if you are up early and, and have the opportunity, we'd love to have you join uh, for that prayer time. Uh, speaking of things returning uh, to normal, I was, with great excitement, I just want to make you aware of the Easter sunrise service and fellowship breakfast. Uh, uh, breakfast that's going to take place on April 4th, that's Easter this year, at 8 o'clock a.m. Uh, it says Flanagan Park, but there's a good chance we're going to actually have it out here in the backyard of the church uh, we're still trying to find out what the, uh, what the borough of Marietta is allowing to take place on their property. So uh, we, may do, we may have to do it here on site, uh, but as we saw from our outdoor services over the summer, there's plenty of room, and we will gather for a time of worship and encouragement in the, in the Word, and then we will have a light breakfast in the fellowship hall uh, before the 10 o'clock service. So uh, I don't know about you, but it's with great anticipation that... Uh, we are, are looking forward to celebrating the resurrection of the Lord uh, together on the Easter Sunday, uh, given that we were not able to do that last year. Also, uh, coming up on March 21st and April 18th, we have two of our missionary families 
uh, that will be visiting with us and sharing about their ministry. Uh, the 21st will be the Guy family. The guys serve in Papua New Guinea, and the Divini family will be with us on the 18th. They serve with um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes at Millersville University, and it is with much anticipation that we are waiting to hear their updates. They always do such a great job when they are with us. Also, our next communion service will be on April 4th. A uh, few other announcements that are not in the bulletin. Um, uh, Brother Ed Fleming has asked that we make you aware of an, an event that's taking place through Barnabas Aid on um, Saturday, March 27th. And I just want to read a little bit about that to you. Uh, this will be in the bulletin next week, Lord willing. Uh, but this is a remote event. It's something that you can log into and watch from your home. Uh, and it's an opportunity to hear directly from Dr. Patrick uh, Sukdeo, who's the direct, International Director of Barnabas Aid, uh, and Caroline uh, Kerslakey, who is the International Director of Projects, and Heinrich uh, Strom, who is the International CEO of Barnabas Aid. Uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but Ed had mentioned that uh, that is the ministry that he is involved with uh, to uh, let churches know about the persecuted church. And this is an opportunity for you to learn a little bit more, uh, particularly about the ministries of Barnabas Aid. Uh, and uh, Patrick uh, Sudeikov is going to be speaking on uh, eight contemporary pressures on the persecuted church. And again, this is a free event. Uh, you do have to register for it. And um, that uh, information is on the, is on the board uh, or on the screen behind me. It's kind of small. So if I were you, I would wait for the email that we're going to send out about it. So you could just click that, click that and register for that event. And again, that's March 27th. And, um, and also you'll have information in the bulletin uh, next week for it as well. Um, I believe we also have uh, great news about Vacation Bible School this year. We have our dates, which will be August 9th, 9th through the 13th. Uh, so mark that on your calendars, uh, unless there are some kind of restrictions or changes that come out uh, from the government. Our plan is to move forward with our annual week-long VBS. And uh, if you've never been a part of that, you really need to because you get to see a, chan uh, get to see a side of New Hope uh, that everybody needs to see. It's a great opportunity to, to serve and worship together and to invest uh, in the gospel, in, in the young lives, uh, in young lives, and also an opportunity uh, to share the gospel with many families in the community as well. Caleb, did I miss anything? Mm. What's that? <laughs> Bring it up for me, buddy. Ah, Truth Project, small group, is starting up on, thanks, buddy, uh, April 7th at 6.30 p.m., and that's at the Schwarren House. If you have any questions, you can speak with Dave Mueller, who is seated to my right with his hand raised, and he will be able to give you any information that you are looking for concerning the Truth Project small group. Uh, is that it, bud? All right, in the new members class, that's right. We have several folks that signed up for the new members class, which will take place immediately following the service uh, downstairs in the fellowship hall. You can make your way down. Uh, uh, pizza will be provided along with uh, some other goods, goodies down there. So we'll make our way down immediately after the service, uh, get our food when it arrives, and jump right into uh, the new members class. And we look forward to a great time together downstairs. I believe 
That is all the announcements. So let's stand together for our call to worship, which is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. This is a call to worship that we read often because it exalts Christ, but I believe that after the sermon today, you will see why it was chosen for this worship service. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let us worship God together. Morning, church. Let's worship him. to him, the God of light, who formed the mountains by his might. All praise to him who names the stars that sing his fame in skies afar. All praise to him who reigns in love, who guides the Oh 
begin our prayer time this morning, there's uh, just one request I want to make you aware of, uh, but I'd like for us to enter into this time a little bit differently than we normally do. Uh, normally, I'll give you the request, we'll bow and, and, and pray together for those requests, uh, but today, uh, I'm going to take some time where we are just silent before the Lord, and uh, just ask that you would make it a time of... Um, doing whatever you need to do uh, before the Lord to prepare your heart to truly worship Him today. Uh, perhaps that is to confess sin quietly before the Lord or to seek His help or to even cry out to Him in your heart uh, for help today. Perhaps the pressures of this life are, are, are more than you feel like you can bear at this time. But take time to, uh, to do what you need to do before God in order to prepare yourself to worship Him well today, uh, because brothers and sisters, I can tell you uh, from firsthand experience that that is what we need. We need to see him as he has revealed himself in his word, and we need to respond appropriately to that revelation. That's worship. And so uh, we will do that uh, before we have our corporate time of prayer together. Uh, the one request I want to make you aware of today is a, is a pretty heavy one. It involves uh, neighbors uh, of my, uh, well, it used to be my father's neighbors down in North Carolina. I found out on uh, Friday that their youngest son, uh, who was an adult, had uh, taken his life. And um, as tragic as that is, uh, their older son had done that several years before. And so uh, their names are uh, Jim and Rachel Scott, and they are under an incredible burden. Um, they were very kind to my family at my father's passing while we were there working on my dad's house. They came over several times to check on us, and, and uh, just dear people, I literally have known them almost my entire life. And uh, they, are, they are walking uh, through some very difficult times, and so just ask that you be in prayer for them. Uh, as uh, they walk this road, that, um, that they would experience God's sustaining grace in their time of need. So let's, uh, let's pray first by preparing our own hearts before the Lord, and then we will pray together corporately.
Father, we thank you that you know the hearts of your people. And as we've taken time to be honest before you this morning, I pray for each one of us present here and, and, and those who may be joining us online or who will even see this at a later date. Lord, that our time together would truly be a holy moment where we are open and receptive to the work that your spirit would do in our hearts and minds as we gather to worship you, as we gather to cry out to you, as we gather to hear your word proclaimed. Lord, there are certain events that we encounter in this life that remind us of the ugliness that can exist in this fallen world. None of us are strangers to pain and sorrow. And it is in the midst of that pain and sorrow that you meet us in our time of need. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone present with us this morning who is walking a difficult road. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes to the reality that you are truly the answer. Lord, whether our circumstances are changed or not, we need to see you as you are. We need to trust you. We need to stand upon your promises. And we need to follow and obey you. Lord, it is tempting for us and our pain to seek out escapes and other distractions rather than deal with the things that are before us. But Lord, we know from your word that true comfort and true peace is only found through you. So I pray for my brothers and sisters present this morning, Lord, whatever circumstances they may be facing, Lord, that they would see this is true, not just in our times of need, but also, Lord, in our times of, uh, of joy and in, of triumph, <laughs> that we need to draw near to you in faith. Lord, it seems like life in this world is only going to get more and more challenging, and so, Lord, we would do well to prepare ourselves even now to walk faithfully under trial. Lord, we pray for Jim and Rachel this morning. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of knowing them for so many years. Lord, they have been a blessing to many. And Lord, the news of Tyler's death is shocking, just as it was of Michael's. And although we cannot imagine, many of us, the great grief that they are under, Lord, we pray for your spirit's comfort for this dear family. Lord, we pray for gospel opportunities. Lord, that those who know them, that don't know you, Lord, would be drawn to faith through this tragedy. 
Lord, we thank you for the promise of eternal life. We thank you for the promise that you are with us, Lord, and that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Lord, for the reality of, of, of heaven and the hope that we have there eternally. Lord Jesus, thank you for the promise of redemption and forgiven sins through faith in your finished work on the cross. Lord, we thank you for the, the promise and the presence of your spirit in the life of every believer. And Lord, we thank you for the promise of redemption of those who will turn to you in faith. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do this work in our lives. Lord, for non-believers present with us this morning or who will hear our, the, the, see the service and hear the message, Lord, that this would be the day that they respond in faith to the gospel. And Lord, for those of us who believe that, that we would take one step closer to you in obedience and in Christ-likeness as we seek to honor you with our lives because you are worthy of all honor and glory and our lives must reflect that. So Spirit, we ask you to do your work. That Christ would be glorified in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Who else commands all the hosts of heaven? Who else can make every can whisper and darkness trembles, only our holy God. What other beauty demands such praises? What other splendor outshines the sun? What other majesty rules with justice?
else could rescue me from my failing? Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him father? Only a holy Behold our God. 
As we prepare ourselves for the ministry of the Word, I would invite you to turn to John chapter 5. And our focus today will be on verses 19 through 23. I will confess that when I began preparing for this message, my Goal had been to make it all the way through verse 29 today, but as the week progressed and the study progressed, I realized the loving thing to do would be to give this section to you in two shorter sermons rather than one long one. So you are welcome, each and every one. Actually, if I'm being totally honest, I didn't think I was going to get past verse 20 today, but... We'll see how things go. John chapter 5, beginning at verse 
19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him that and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also, <clears throat> so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may, may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the service thus far. Lord, for the opportunity to sing and to praise you with our voices and with our hearts and minds. And Lord, we ask for your help in praising you as we hear and contemplate what your word says. Help us, Lord, to be hearers of your word. Help us to be doers of it. Help us to be men and women who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Who are quick to repent when your spirit convicts us of sin. And quick to give you the praise and the glory that is due your name. Help us, Lord Jesus, to behold you today. We ask in your name. Amen. Well, I thought it would be nice to begin this morning with a little pop quiz. One that each one of you... We'll have no problem passing with flying colors unless this is your first Sunday here, and then you're excused. Don't answer out loud, but maybe you want to jot down the answer to this question at the top of your bulletin. But the question is this, what is the purpose of John's gospel? Now, everybody who's been here through the study of the Gospel of John should know the answer to this question because I have led with the purpose of John's Gospel at least three times. And, and I want to be honest with you, it's not because I don't have other ways to introduce a sermon. It's that important. What's the purpose of John's Gospel and where can you find it clearly stated in the Gospel of John? I see the wheels turning, I see some panicked looks, I see smiles, everyone's awake so that lost hour of sleep has not kicked in just yet. John chapter 20, yes, all right, verses 30 and 31, A plus if you knew it. A plus for those faking it. Just kidding. 
John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The purpose of John's gospel is that we may see who Jesus is and through the works that he has done and the things that he has said, recognize that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the Son of God, sent from heaven to redeem mankind, and that by believing, by trusting in what He has done in His perfect life, His sacrificial death on the cross, and His resurrection from the grave, that we too can have eternal life in His name. That's the purpose. And brothers and sisters, in John chapter 5, we see that this isn't just John's testimony, but it is Jesus' testimony about himself as he speaks to the religious leaders. John chapter 5 has been called, the second half of it, one of the most Christologically rich passages in the entire Bible as it relates to Jesus' testimony concerning himself. And so as we work through verses 19 through 23 this week and 24 through 29 next week, I want you to understand that this whole passage, Jesus is speaking to, it says the Jews, but, but he's talking to the religious leaders among the Jews. Because remember what's happened here, right? Jesus has just done what? He healed the lame man, the man who'd been lame for what, 37 years, 38 years, he had been lame. And Jesus comes along on the Sabbath. He heals this man who does not seem particularly grateful. And the reason that he does it is what? Basically to turn up the heat on the religious leaders. And they are offended, as they always were. Why? Because Jesus performed this miracle on the Sabbath. In their tradition, the, uh, the, the, the Pharisees believed that, 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 that Jesus had broken the law of God. And so their question was what? What gives you the right to do this on a Sabbath, Jesus? Well, in these verses, Jesus tells us by what authority he does these things. So as we work through this passage, my, my prayer, brothers and sisters, is that your faith will be strengthened. Let's be honest. We need our faith strengthened, don't we? I look around at, at, at the things that are, are going on in this world, even this country, and it causes me to, to, to really, without looking to Jesus, really scratch my head. Now, Knowing what the Bible says is very helpful at a time like this. You know what? It's probably going to get a lot worse. If not soon, not sooner than later. So things are going to get more and more challenging from us, so for, for us. So we need to, 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 to have a, a place to hang our faith in these times of need. And Jesus gives that to us. 
in this section of John chapter 5. So as we work through verses 19 through 23 this morning, we're going to do so under three main statements about Jesus as the Christ. And I want to give them to you now so you can write them down. And then that way when I get to them in the sermon, you won't feel like you're rushing so much. First point will be the longer point because that's Jesus' main focus in these early verses uh, of, of, uh, in, in verses 19 through 23. And that is that Jesus is the Christ because he does the will of the Father. Point one, Jesus is the Christ because he does the will of the Father. Secondly, we'll see that Jesus is the Christ because he has the power to give life to the dead. Jesus is the Christ because he has the power to give life to the dead. Finally, point three, Jesus is the Christ because he has the authority to judge mankind. Jesus is the Christ because he has the authority to judge mankind. Now, if you didn't get all of that, and when we get to it, if you haven't gotten it yet, just wave your hand and I'll slow down and and say it again because I apologize that I didn't do the, the slides for you this morning. But again, my prayer today, brothers and sisters, is that we will be strengthened in our faith. My prayer, non-believer, is that today you will see Jesus is the Christ and he gave his life to reconcile you to God. So let's look at verses 19 and 20. Jesus is the Christ because he does the will of the Father. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. <laughs> now right off the bat, Jesus links himself as the Son of God inseparably to God the Father. And it is important that we understand the, the relationship between God the Father and God the Son as revealed through Jesus' earthly ministry. Much damage has been done to the gospel and, and even sound doctrine uh, by people misunderstanding the relationship between the Father and the Son. Remember, verse 18 says this. It says, This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Jesus. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus is addressing the charge that has been levied against him. You say you're equal to God? Jesus says, you betcha. You bet you. 
This is why the hostility is growing, and Jesus does not back down. Everything that he does, everything that he says, is according to the Father's will. Jesus says the Son can do nothing of his own accord, only what he sees the Father doing. Now that word accord literally means initiative or from himself. So Jesus says, listen, everything that you see me do, what you hear me say, represents exactly what the Father has to say and what the Father wants done. The mission of the Son is to to honor or to glorify the Father by perfectly fulfilling His will. Now, does this mean that, that the Son, Jesus, is somehow less a God than God the Father? Absolutely not. We're talking about the roles, the functions that they have, which, when looked at together, bring glory to God, a greater glory to God as we see the wisdom of His plan unfold in salvation. D.A. Carson explains the relationship well. He says, although equal to God, Jesus does not operate independently of God. He is subject to his will. The Father initiates. He sends, sends, S-E-N-D-S. He commands, he commissions, he grants. The Son responds, obeys, performs the Father's will, and receives authority from God. So it matters that we understand the relationship between the two. And I could go off on a rabbit trail of how the the ministry of the Spirit differs from that of the Father and the Son and works together in the purposes of God to, to bring about glory to the Godhead. But that's not in this passage. That's for another day. Why belabor such as what should be an obvious point to many of us? Well, simply put, history has shown that the relationship between the Father and Son is often misunderstood and misrepresented within the church. Perhaps you've heard someone contrast the God of the Old Testament with the God of the New. Have you ever heard that? The God of the Old Testament, he's wrathful, he's angry. But, but the God of the New Testament is, is full of grace and mercy. And this type of viewpoint is false. And it reveals, brothers and sisters, an ignorance of what the Bible actually teaches about God. And equally ignorant is the view that Jesus is somehow siding with mankind over and against God when it comes to the gospel. And you see that often pointed out erroneously. Brothers and sisters, as we consider the relationship of Jesus to his heavenly Father, we need to remember that Jesus is always on the side of the Father. And this is why he can save us. He explains why by by using several statements that begin with the Greek word gar. It's probably translated for in your translation in English. 
Jesus acts completely in accordance with the will of the Father. Verse 19, for whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. In trying to devalue the ministry of Jesus, some have made the claim that Jesus never said he was God or, or, or that he was equal to God the Father. And this is easy to refute, brothers and sisters, especially in light of Jesus' own words here in John chapter 5. You see, the Jews understood that anyone who could do what the Father did would have to be as great as the Father. And Jesus equates himself to the Father by claiming to do the works of the Father. So the Pharisees, hearing these statements by Jesus, would have been highly offended. Their charge against him in verse 18, they wanted to kill him because he made himself equal to God. Well, Jesus gives them more ammo in verses 19 and 20. Jesus is saying that it's impossible for him to do, any, to do anything that would set him against the Father's will. Everything that he does represents God the Father perfectly. Many scholars have pointed out that if you want to understand the heart of God the Father, you simply have to look at the life of Jesus revealed in the Gospels. Why? Because everything that Jesus did represented perfectly the heart of God the Father. We don't need to, we don't need to speculate. We, we don't need to compare him to our own earthly fathers, who many of whom tried their best to, to, to raise us right and to be godly examples. We've got a perfect father in, in our heavenly father who has shown himself through the life of his son. Jesus perfectly reveals the Father's will. And in doing so, Jesus perfectly reveals the nature and character of the Father to us. Jesus goes on in, in verse 20 to say that, 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 that the reason... That the Father reveals His will is because of His love. Listen to verse 20. It says, For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. The love that exists between the Father and the Son reveals the, the greatness and the mercy of God. This results in the gospel that saves us, brothers and sisters. You see, I think we cheapen the gospel when we simply make it about us. It certainly is about us, right? We're the sinners in the story. We are the helpless ones in the story. We are the ones who deserve punishment in the story. But I think 
And I often use this illustration of the gospel being like a multifaceted diamond. And as we read about it in the scriptures, we kind of get to turn it at different angles and see different glorious truths about the gospel. We see the love of the Father revealed through the faithfulness of the Son. We see the love and the faithfulness of the Son for the Father in His obedience and in going all the way to the cross to bear the punishment that we deserve. We see the love of the Father and Son for mankind. And so as we turn this diamond, this treasure of the gospel, we see that that all of these things are true. And brothers and sisters, it's important for us many times in life to pull back and not just focus on that little facet that, that relates primarily to us. Yes, that's great news that our sins are forgiven. It's great news that we've been reconciled to God. But sometimes we just need to sit down and turn that thing and marvel at the love that existed between the Father and the Son that, that caused all of this to happen. Jesus didn't have to go to the cross We could have been left in our sins. But because of the love of God, or the love of Jesus for the Father, He obeyed the will of the Father perfectly. I guess in one sense He had to, because to not have to, uh, to have done it, would would have been to to, to reject the will of the Father. But but we need to understand that that all of Jesus' obedience was was the overflow uh, of His love for the Father and His desire to see the Father glorified. And that same love for the Father results in His love for us as well. Does that make sense? We we need to to think more deeply about these things, brothers and sisters, because believe it or not, The world really does not revolve around us. We should marvel that we are objects of God's grace. We should. And and, and honestly, I I don't think we should ever pray and fail to give thanks for the salvation that is ours in Christ. But we also need to ask God to, to help us think more deeply about the deeper truths of the gospel as well. God loves us. We, we see that in the faithfulness of Jesus in saving us. But we need to think too about the love that existed within the Trinity. There is no gospel apart from the love of the Father for the Son and the love of the Son for the Father. Jesus tells the religious leaders that that this love will result in even greater works that will cause them to marvel. Jesus is saying, listen guys, you ain't seen nothing yet. Greater things are going to happen. And you're going to be amazed. And all of this proves my relationship with the Father. Can you see how this teaching by Jesus to to the religious leaders is so rich in terms of revealing himself as the Messiah? He is the Christ. Verse 21, Jesus is the Christ 
because he has the power to give life to the dead. Jesus is the Christ because he has the power to give life to the dead. Verse 21. It says, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. One of the works that, that, that Jesus would cause, that would, would perform, that, that would cause the Jews to marvel was his power to raise the dead. We'll see this later in chapter 11 where Jesus does just that in raising Lazarus from the dead. If you look over in Luke uh, chapter 7, we, we know that Jesus raised the, the son of the widow, the widow from Nain from the dead. In Luke chapter 8, he raises the daughter of Jairus from the dead. We know that following his crucifixion, Jesus himself rises from the dead. We know that after he dies on the cross, there are people who rise from the dead and, and walk around the city of Jerusalem. That's a whole lot of Life given to dead bodies, is it not? And Jesus says, just as the Father does that, so will I give life. Again, if you read the Old Testament, the understanding there clearly is that only God can give life. And so it's clear what Jesus is saying to the religious leaders. Remember, Jesus does what he sees the Father doing. God gives life, the Father gives life, the Son will give life. These miracles prove that Jesus is who he claims to be. Such claims without demonstrations of the, of the power of God would, would, would have been unacceptable. But Jesus backs up what he says with power and authority. Now, there is another category of dead that Jesus gives life to, the the, the spiritually dead as well. And we're going to delve more deeply into this aspect of his ability to give life next week because Jesus points that out specifically. But what gives Jesus the right to exercise his power over life and death? That next four statement. verse 23. I'll start in verse 22. It says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Sorry, the fourth statement was in verse uh, 21. Jesus is the Christ because he has the authority to judge mankind. Jesus can give life to whom he will because the Father has delegated the authority to judge to him. 
And this is the answer to the Pharisees' underlying question about almost everything that Jesus does in his ministry. In chapter 2, what happened? Jesus shows up to Jerusalem and he does what? He cleanses the temple, an act of judgment. The response of the Pharisees, what sign do you give that, that says you have the right to do this? By what authority do you do these things? And Jesus' answer is, it's by my own authority. By, by what authority did Jesus heal the, the lame man on a Sabbath? By his own authority. As the judge of all, the Son is worthy to receive honor from all. Now, in verse 22, we see a break from a pattern that's made its way through this section of John chapter 5. In verses 19 and 20, the Son does the will of the Father. In verse 21, both the Father and the Son have the ability to give life. But in verse 22, we see it's the Son, not the Father, who has been given authority to judge all now, this does not mean that Jesus judges independently of the character of the Father because Jesus reveals the character of the Father in all that he does. But this delegation of authority by the Father further reveals the unity within the Trinity. This parallel picks itself up again in verse 23 where it says the Son has the authority to judge, which leads to His receiving honor, just as the Father is honored. So Jesus does what the Father does. Jesus gives life like the Father gives life. Jesus judges in a way that the Father does not. And the result is they both are honored in the same way. To honor means to, to recognize the value of someone or something. But not just to recognize it, but also to respond appropriately. Both the Father and the Son are infinitely valuable. And they are worthy of all honor. Every moment we are alive on this earth, in some way, should reflect how worthy of honor they truly are. Let that sink in. Every moment. In some way, our lives should honor God. This is not the contemporary American approach to understanding the gospel, is it? Where... The gospel and salvation are, are things that we add to our life. My involvement in the church and my religion is my own. It's a private thing. You don't, you don't need to know about this. That, that, that's, not, that's not the expectation of the gospel as we read it in the Bible. The expectation is that those who truly believe will live for him. And that will change the way
the way we do our job. That will change the way we parent our children. That will change the way we relate to others. That will change the way we relate to our spouses. That will change everything about us. And, and, and Jesus lays absolute claim. So, so he will be honored. We need to think about our relationship to God in these terms, brothers and sisters. We devalue what Christ has done to save us when we simply think that we're doing God a favor by responding in faith to the gospel. If that's our attitude, we don't understand the severity of the situation. If that's our attitude, then, then we probably don't understand the, 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 the extent of the sacrifice that was made to redeem us. And we must. We must. The reason that our witness is so weak is because as a church, universally, the church, especially in America, has got wrapped up in all the wrong things. We've placed our hope in the wrong things. And if we begin to, to care more about doing what is truly honoring in God's sight, then our lives will regain that flavor of Christ that will cause others to, to, to want to know the reason for the hope that is within us. And that happens as we seek to honor God in all that we do. This is not a rabbit trail, brothers and sisters. This is verse 23. Jesus is dropping a bomb on the Pharisees. He says, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Now think about who he's talking to. These are the religious leaders. These are the Pharisees who had their own set of rules and traditions all designed in their minds to honor God. And Jesus says, you're not even, you're not even in the same state when it comes to honoring God. You're not even in the same country. You're not even in the same universe. You are focused on all these things, but you're failing to honor the one who does the will of the Father. You are failing to honor the one who gives life to the dead. You are failing to honor the one who has the power and the authority to judge in this life, and we will see next week in the life to come as well. If you're not honoring me, you're not honoring him. So you think they wanted to kill him in verse 18? Imagine what they're thinking when they hear this. And if we're honest, we need to be honest. We need to guard ourselves from adopting some of the same attitudes as the Pharisees as it relates to what honors God. Obedience, generosity, sacrifice, bearing one another's burdens, praying for one another. Speaking the truth in love, 
Now again, these are all outpourings of a redeemed life. We are saved by what Christ has done for us. We place our faith in that, and Jesus saves us. But the implications of that faith are lives that are changed, lives that are burdened. We sat last week, and we heard Brother Ed give a powerful presentation on the persecuted church around the world. That should have changed an aspect of our weekly prayer time to begin to think about those nations where the church is persecuted. And again, this is not to tie up new burdens to lay on you, but to cause you to think more deeply about the implications of your testimony, my testimony. Because it's easy to go home and totally forget all about what other believers around the world are suffering with. I did. To my shame. We need to recognize, brothers and sisters, that he is worthy of honor in all that we do. Jesus is the Christ because he does the will of the Father. Jesus is the Christ because he has the power to give life to the dead. Jesus is the Christ because he has been given authority to judge all of mankind, and he will. He will. And that judgment is either seen through his sacrifice on the cross to save us, or for those who haven't believed, will stand before him. And they will be among those who, as we read in Philippians chapter 2, at the name of Jesus will bow. But it will not be the same type of bowing as those who belong to him. It will be an abject terror. As the judge of the world proclaims his just condemnation on all who rejected his gospel. The gospel is a message for right now. Unbeliever, it's a message for you. Jesus came to save sinners so that all who believe would be reconciled to God forever. I pray that we will leave this place, or as we leave this place, and in the week ahead we will go back and reconsider the truths that we see here in John chapter 5, not just verses 19 through 23, but this entire section that we will think more seriously about the relationship between the Father and the Son, that we will see the love of God and how that love of God, even within the Trinity, results in our salvation. 
that it will elevate our worship, that it will motivate our obedience, and that God truly will be honored in all that we do. Let us pray. Lord, your words deserve more focus and attention and magnifying than this poor, lisping, stammering tongue could ever do. So we thank you that it's the work of your spirit that changes us. Spirit, we invite you to do that work. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand and sing. Strong to 
Have this mind among yourselves, which is also yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Amen. We are dismissed.